As a real estate manager, Principal Asset Management harnesses the power of a 360-degree perspective, delivering local insights and global expertise across public and private equity and debt. Their teams apply local insights and global perspectives to help identify the most compelling investing opportunities. Principal Asset Management, actively invested. Learn more at principalam.com. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Principal Asset Management SM is a trade name of Principal Global Investors, LLC. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Odd Lots podcast. I'm Joe Weisenthal. And I'm Tracy Alloway. Tracy, one of the themes that comes up on a lot of episodes is that, you know, there is going to be a lot of demand for various metals and various minerals in the the so-called energy transition in order to electrify the economy, but that that process itself is fraught with its own environmental consequences and risk. Right. So this is the ultimate irony of, um, I guess, the Green Revolution. Yeah. In order to save the world and bring down emissions, we have to move to new types of energy, electrification, a lot of which requires certain types of minerals and metals. And getting those is actually environmentally destructive in many ways. Right. So we recently had a conversation, for example, with uh, Nick Snowden of Goldman Sachs. And of course, over the long term, he's extremely bullish on copper, for example. Mm -hmm. But as he noted, you know, one of the reasons for his like super bullish copper call is that there just is not as much mining activity. And he pointed out, you know, around the world, it's not just in uh, rich countries around the world. There's been much more concern being raised about the environmental consequences of mining, the water consumption that happens in copper mining specifically. Mm-hmm. And he noted that Chile, which uh, many people know is one of the biggest sources of copper in the world, it's become a much more difficult place to get a, uh, a new mine built. Right. So even if there is theoretically enough copper in the ground to satisfy the world's demands for electrification, it's becoming harder and more challenging to get it out because there are these additional environmental concerns. And in Chile in particular, they're even writing some of these environmental concerns into their new constitution, which is very different to the types of uh, constitutional writing that we've seen historically. Yeah. And so copper, of course, lithium is another big one for uh, batteries because, of course, you have copper at the transmission and then you have, uh, you know, this boom in batteries. But again, lots of similar environmental issues raised. And so rather than just, you know, talking about, yes, there are all these environmental issues that get uh, that have to be addressed. We should probably talk more about what they are, mm-hmm. what the opposition is, what are the concerns, why are politics changing 
And how do we resolve or think about resolving uh, some of these tensions? Absolutely. And I'm also very interested in this from an ESG perspective, because one of the fundamental questions over ESG has always been, should you let the market decide this or should the government actually be making these restrictions? And Chile is really an interesting case example of all of this. Well, I'm very, we really have, I think, the perfect guest for uh, this episode. We're going to be speaking with Dr. Cristina Dorador. She is a microbiologist from Chile, and she is a uh, former member of the Constitutional Assembly of Chile. Just recently, just a few days ago, we're recording this July 8th, but on uh, July 4th, this new proposed constitution that it codifies and enshrines some of these environmental protections was put forward. It's going to be voted on later in the year. But she was involved in drafting uh, this new proposed constitution. And for the first time, which really gets at some of these tensions and puts it uh, of uh, of mining and uh, protecting the environment right into uh, the constitution itself. So, uh, Dr. Dora Dora, thank you so much for coming on Odd Lots. Oh, thanks to you for the invitation. So why don't you just um, give us a little bit of uh, your background in bio. I mentioned that you're a microbiologist. I mentioned that you've uh, been part of this new constitutional assembly in Chile. But uh, wh- wh- where does your interest uh, in this space and work in this space come from? I did my, my, my undergrad in biology. Then I did my PhD in Germany, where I focused the study of my microorganisms in extreme environments. So then I come back to Chile to analyze uh, the microorganisms that live in the desert, the Atacama Desert, and also in other places such as uh, Salares, that they are very special ecosystem, evaporitic um, lakes that now are the source for lithium. So I'm working in, in this uh, subject more than, I don't know, 20 years ago. Oh. So um, yeah, we have a lot of experience about ecology and also the microorganisms that live in there. So you mentioned the unique ecosystem of Chile. Could you maybe give us a little bit more color on that? Like what exactly is it about the geography of Chile that makes it so important to things like copper and mm. lithium mining? Sure. Well, Chile is a, it's a land of extremes. You know, In the north of Chile, we have the, the driest desert in the world, that's the Atacama Desert. In the south is, is Patagonia. And, but specifically in the Atacama Desert, um, there are a, a high concentration of minerals and also high diversity. So it's possible to find almost the whole periodic table here and, and also in, in large reserves. And in a special case of the, of the water, because it's, a, it's an arid desert, of course, hmm. water is uh, under the ground. And, and also the, 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 the fresh water is coming from, from raining during, during the summer. Um, and it's located in these uh, special lakes that are called salares, as I already mentioned, and a couple of rivers. So the water is very scarce. And, and actually, for all the mining, uh, the big mining that produced Chile uh, is using the scarce water from the desert. So, so it's that, also a big paradox. Yeah, so that's something that came up on a recent episode. And we were talking to the chief metal strategist at Goldman Sachs. And he mentioned, you know, he said, you know, uh, uh, the, the copper mining is generally improved its uh, sort of environmental sustainability. But for one thing, there is uh, a huge water need in copper mining. Can you talk a little bit about from your perspective what you see? You know, I'll start with copper. I, we'll also talk a lot about lithium since I know you, you do a lot of work on that. But what do you see is sort of like 
the environmental costs or the price that Chile or the people in Chile pay for have being such a big source of copper mining. Mm. Yeah, well, the copper mining exploitation is happening here since, I don't know, more than 100 years. And so it's a long story. And during all this time, the, the water they're using for these processes have been, have been obtained locally. So that means from underground water and also the, the Loa River, that is the only river that we have here in the Antofagasta region. And the, the large copper mining in the last, uh, from, from the 90s, uh, the started big uh, private mining uh, working, they have been used water from Salares. So there are many cases that uh, this uh, big mining have uh, um, drawn out um, whole ecosystem for using the whole water, for extracting the water for more than 20, 25 years, day and night. So that is a massive uh, environmental damage. And also, uh, it's not only uh, the damage is environmentally, also social, mm -hmm. because um, they have practices that people were not used to, you know, to, to deal with. And so it's very complex. But now uh, copper mining is start to, to use the salinist uh, water from the sea, you know, so either direct sea water or through the salinization plants. But also, of course, everything has a, have an effect. So, and, and the, the, the main problem I think here is the, is the magnitude. Because the magnitude of, of processing this uh, copper is, is, is immense. It's, it's so big that people can see these holes from this from the space, you know. Mm. So that means also a, a equivalent amount of water that have to be used. Mm. So my understanding is that a lot of water is also used in lithium mining. Could you maybe describe that process as well, and also tell us what your own research says about quantifying the economic damage from these types of processes? Yeah. Uh, in the case of lithium, um, lithium is um, concentrated here in, in this um, evaporitic basin called Salares. There were in the past large paleo lakes that through the time have been drying out. And the, the, the industry, what they, they do is, is to pump it out uh, the brines that are actually water uh, full of salts or mm. concentrated in salts. And between these salts are, is lithium there. And they evaporate the water. So this is a, a water mining. So it's not a mining from the rocks, it's from the water. So they have to be free of the water, so evaporate the water, and then concentrate the lithium in a very arid place, produce major effects. So we have a study through using satellite images and also other parameters. The, the Salar de Atacama, what is the main extraction by now, right now, uh, has been affected uh, in different ways. For example, uh, it's less water in general, but also the population of flamingos have been migrated from here. So this is less, it's in the last 10 years, population of endemic flamingos have been decreasing at 12%. As a leading real estate manager, Principal Asset Management harnesses the power of a 360-degree perspective, delivering local insights and global expertise across public and private equity and debt. Our experienced teams are uniquely positioned to uncover compelling opportunities in today's market, giving our clients an exclusive advantage. Principal Asset Management actively invested. Learn more at principalam.com. 
Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Principal Asset Management SM is a trade name of Principal Global Investors, LLC. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Your scientific background is microbiology. Can you talk a little bit further about the microbiology of the region? And I, I mean, this is going to sound crass, but I don't mean it at all in a, in a crass way. But I guess the question is, how, why should people care more about this? And what are, you know, uh, in theory, I get why people worry about the loss of wildlife the loss of biological uh, diversity and so forth. But how do you, especially like even in the drafting of the constitution, how do you express the risks involved from damaging some of these ecosystems? Yeah, it's very complicated because um, first, all these ecosystems I'm talking about, Atacama Desert and, and Salares, for a long time have been think that they were, they were no life there because it's, if you see a picture from the Takama, it's, it's, it's nothing. You cannot see in some part any plant. So, but the life it is there is microbial. So if we take any sample from, from this dry soil or of, of salt or whatever, yeah. we can find bacteria and microorganisms that live there. And they are a very important part of the trophic uh, web. So flamingos, for example, that are in this uh, Salada Takama and in others, they, they eat sediments, and these sediments are full of bacteria, and, and that also being used as a energy as a source of energy and, and pigments and whatever that are important for the for the life. Mm. So everything is related. So and that's why they're very fragile because when the system change at microbial level also affect at major levels. So uh, the, the impacts are even bigger. So that's has been very complicated to explain this because it's different when there is a, there is another sensibility when 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 environmentalists, for example, they claim to protect a, a native forest right. or, or Patagonia, you know, is visible mm -hmm. life there, and also the landscape are amazing. So people really feel touchy about that. But when you talk about please protect the desert, it's like a what? Uh -huh. The desert is there to be exploded more than hundred years ago. I have been there the source of resources for Chile, always. So nobody really talk about protection of the desert. It's something even sometimes uncomfortable because, uh, you know, environmental is, is not seen as something important for a long time for about mining. So we have to put that information also on the table for discussion in the in the assembly. And and we, we reach, I think, very important objective first, um, we declare that the nature has rights, and this is um, a major advance because change our ethics regarding ecology, 
So we recognize ourselves as a human, as part of an ecosystem. And that also means that we need, as a, as a human, of course, we have the responsibility to take care about the nature uh, regarding certain regulations, of course. So, yeah, this was very interesting challenge. How do people in Chile feel about the mining industry? And I realize it's it's difficult to generalize and probably your opinion will be informed by how close you are to any mining operations. But my understanding is that it brings a lot of money into the country, but that money is not necessarily well distributed among the population and that economic inequality is one of the reasons why the country embarked on this new constitution process in the first place. There were big protests in 2019. So how do people feel, you know, broadly about the industry? Well, in general, there is a, the, the feeling that um, the, system, the economical system that Chile has, mostly based on the extraction of uh, raw materials, mm. even minerals or forests or salmon, whatever, is not really helping people because of the political system that we have, a legacy from the constitution of 1980s. So that's why it was so important to change this uh, constitution. First, to guarantee social rights. So now we advance from a subsidiary state, uh, a one based on democracy and social rights. And regarding uh, mining, so I'm come from Antofagasta. This is the biggest region of mining, I would say, in Chile and probably in the world for copper. And my family is from here. So uh, we have a long history in this uh, territory. And um, the feeling of the people is that, of course, it's important mining. They give a lot of jobs, but they haven't really improved life here. So, for example, we still doesn't have uh, good um, railways or, or, or good um, um, transportation system, whatever. Those are the basic things. For, for living in a place. All the money goes to Santiago and especially to three, we say, comunas, the, the most rich ones. And from there, they distribute the money back to the territories. So that is very unfair. That's why one of the most important advances is the new proposal of constitution is that the state uh, create a new, a new political and regional system. It's called Estado Regional or Regional States when every region is half autonomy. And that's very important because we will take our own decision and also we will have our own money. We, don't have, we will not have to depend anymore of the decision of Santiago. So that is a major mm. advance. And probably also there will have consequences at, uh, you know, at, at environmental or other levels. So you mentioned enshrining the rights of nature in the constitution. And Again, this this is the first time that this has really been done, done to my knowledge, um, on a constitutional basis. But how far does the draft that was released this week actually go? Is it a complete ban on mining or something less than that? Nothing changed really, as we have in 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 short place, in the short term. Sorry. Uh, the, the important thing is that, uh, for example, for water. Mm -hmm. In Chile, water has been pr privatized. So now we we demand in the constitution that all these uh, propriety rights are converted into authorization. So people before people can freely obtain these uh, property rights and, and having for, for forever, you know, for perpetual. 
So now um, we'll be focused on, on, on the humans, on people, instead of the different other uses, because we also um, write in this proposal the human right for water. That was not guaranteed. In Chile, there are people that don't have access to water at all. But next to them, their population are companies using the water, you know, and, 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 and the state don't focus on, on, on people. So this kind of inequalities we have already. So that's why it's so important to, to advance in, in this recognition of the nature right. So um, it's not only just that, also there is a whole uh, very robust uh, body of articles that will help to put that in, in you know, in, in movement, all these uh, rights, especially the creation of the, um, as a, we call the fencery of the environment. So people could, uh, they are present their demands or, or, or the requirements about uh, nature protection. And of course, the environmental standards, either for mining or for other activities will increase. But that is, I have to. I wanted to say that it's not something bad. It's something necessary. Right. We, as our country, will be one of the most affected countries by climate change. So we need to also take care about our future. I know it's a polarization of copper and lithium is very important now for UV cars and everything. But also we need to take care about our own land. You know. Uh, and and some and that is this is the opportunity that we have, you know, to to, to write our own constitution, say that we want for the future of our, of our people. Mm. I want to ask more about what the constitution actually does and, and how you see it working. But before we do, you mentioned the water system in Chile, and my understanding is that it's the only country in the world with a fully privatized water market. Can you explain how how that came to be? Mm. Mm. Well. That was um, a whole ideological plan um, preparing during the dictatorship of Pinochet. So the, the constitution of 1980s was uh, written in a way that um, to think about the state needs to have less power and, and, and it's also very important elements like the water and other uh, were privatized because in their ideology, they think that this is the best way to, to manage a country. But now, after more than 40 years, we know that this is not the way for us. That's why there was this, um, this is all this um, estallido social or, you know, in, in 2019. And, and it's not really working. You know, it, it, all this system produces a, a, a large inequality. In, in the country that, that is it's immense and not or not only regarding to money or access to to buy thing of consume it's also cultural gender based uh, uh, depends where you live everything so it's impossible to to maintain a social equilibrium or social peace like that that's why it's so important to change the constitution and with this in mind um for example, the, the, the water code was created in 1981, and in 19, 1982 already the, the big miners miners uh, were, were already obtaining the the water right that what explodes in the 90s. So there was a whole preparation for to to produce a large amount of copper in after the dictatorship. So my. Uh... 
Corey, the last time we talked about this, our guest said that already Chile has become a much harder place to launch a new copper mine. So even uh, even setting aside the new constitution and whether it passes in a national referendum, that in 2022, it's significantly more difficult to get started on a new mining project than it was 20 years ago in the early 2000s when we had the last sort of commodity super cycle and there was tons of demand from China for copper and other minerals and it sent prices soaring. Can you talk a little bit about what's happened and what's changed over the last several years uh, such that politics has changed, mining permitting has changed, and just, I guess, general awareness of environmental consequences has become a more uh, uh, has become more top of mind. I'm I'm not really agree with that because okay. um, we I mean, <laughs> we just try to be fair, mm -hmm. you know. For one way, uh, all the in, in the economical point of view, usually it's not include the the environmental damage. We don't know, for example, the amount of money that have been maybe paid by the state to solve problems related to big mining. Because it's not, it's not in the equation. Mm. Also, it's not the, in the equation, the social cost, for example, the work that uh, is uh, not paid well by women, because women have all the, the, the tasks of care, that thanks to that, men especially can work in the mines. That's not included in this equation. So probably we are not really seeing the whole pictures. That's why uh, we just demand more control, no? that people can also be part of the decision because also the constitution include that methods of um, the direct democracy and more participation in the decision that we that we affect their own lives is more democracy so and that is that is a very good news for the world because um also for the mining they, they will have if they do well stuff now regarding all, all this new you know if it's approved of course um new demands they will have a, a, a higher uh, consideration at local level because also for some people, they are bad neighbors, you know? So it's also important to think about this point of view. So would you say that as of right now, like the current status quo, that there just hasn't been much change and that, uh, you know, the extractive industries, whether we're talking car uh, uh, copper, lithium, other minerals uh, that uh, companies want to mine. The status quo right now is still uh, pretty liberal in terms of what companies are able to do. Yeah, <laughs> that is pretty liberal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, 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 of course, they're environmental regulation, but they're, they're not so strong as they should be, I think. For example, just a, a very short example. Yeah. Here in Atacama, there is a, a case of a gold mine that was actually everywhere in the world uh, than was the National Geographic magazine where to, to start to, to dig the mining, they, they need to move a, a whole colony of chinchilla. That is uh, an animal in... in hmm. Oh, chinchillas are yeah. very cute. Yes. <laughs> exactly, as well. And, and they propose a plan to move the chinchilla from that, uh, this um, uh, mountain and to move it to another one. And of course, in the transportation, they'll die. And that's not good mining. <laughs> 
it's complicated, but uh, I think we need to face these problems uh, in, a, in, a, in a wider way. We need to talk about it. Not just everything has to be, you know, surrounded by market. Mm. We need to also think about the future. We cannot do the same thing forever because we have limits. The planet has limits. And if we put inside the climate change, it's even worse. So it's, that's why it's so important to include different ways and include diversity. People that think differently in this uh, in these big dialogues. Otherwise, nothing will happen. I will be worse at the end of the day. So on the topic of paradoxes and looking at the planet as a whole, and I want to make it really clear that this is a devil's advocate question before I ask it. But what do you say to people who will look at the situation in Chile and they will say, well, we need that copper and we need that lithium so that we can shift to cleaner and greener technologies on a global basis? We need electric cars. We need more electricity in general in order to reduce emissions and save the entire planet. And what if it is necessary to sacrifice a desert in Chile in order to save the planet more broadly, what would you say to those people? I think we need more elements in the conversation. First, if it's, I think we all we are agree that we need to decrease emission is something crucial. But the countries that produce more um, carbon dioxide, they're really doing their best. <laughs> you know, they're really decreasing the amount of carbon that they produce. Because we, Chile, we are a very small country in, compared to others. We don't, we don't produce much carbon. We produce very little in compared to the big, uh, I don't know, China or, or the US. And, but we have the copper and the lithium. So, and also the question is, of course, we, we, it's important to make this just transition for electricity, but really will change the, or destiny of uh, global warming. That's that's some one question that we have to solve. You know, uh, uh, I, I think we need more research about that and an and open research, uh, a research that includes other views, not just uh, and you know uh, a way to to of replacement. And what we do is a replacement of things. We replace cars based on carbon to cars based on electricity, but it's still being cars. And, and, and it's not also any incentive to decrease the number of cars. It's, it's, it's the opposite. So if I think that the conversation have to be more honest. It's not just we sacrifice ecosystem for the good of the of the planet because I'm not sure that we, it's like that at, at the end if we put all together. As a leading real estate manager, Principal Asset Management harnesses the power of a 360-degree perspective, delivering local insights and global expertise across public and private equity and debt. Our experienced teams are uniquely positioned to uncover compelling opportunities in today's market, giving our clients an exclusive advantage. Principal Asset Management actively invested. Learn more at principalam.com. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Principal Asset Management SM is a trade name of Principal Global Investors, LLC. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. 
the lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. So the current status quo seems to be you have a few extremely rich countries or very big countries in the case of China uh, that produce a, a massive amount of emissions. And then there are you know, mining and it's in smaller countries. As you mentioned, Chile is not a very big contributor to emissions or global warming uh, directly. And so the rich countries in the world want to electrify and need or want the minerals and metals of poorer countries. Do you work with activists and scientists and politicians in other countries as well to think about a sort of global response to this? And more broadly, like, why do you think it's happening now? Because my impression is that it's not just in uh, Chile where people are sort of becoming more aware uh, and waking up to uh, some of the costs uh, associated with industrial scale mining. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, uh, science and, and knowledge is a collective work. Right. Um, uh, my case also have been a, a personal way, a personal road, because uh, I'm from very specific discipline that is microbiologist. And I have to, and when, how realize this thing? Because I'm working in Solaris. So every time I, I've been there working, you know, to study the, biochemical mechanism for bacterial for adaptation to extreme conditions. We went there and we noticed of the lake that we are working. I say that uh, it's also having a personal road. You know, me, me as a microbiologist, um, scientist working in a very specific mechanism to understand the biology of, of microbes. Then we worked to the Salaris working and every time we were there, we realized that it was something different. So the, the, the place that we're used to work that doesn't exist anymore. It was completely drying out, for huh. example. So at some point, we face that uh, personally. So, okay, it's very important, the science, very important to write papers, to know, you know, uh, to be in the system. But what we as a, as, a, as a human, as a person living here, we can protect this ecosystem because we know that it's so important. They have a high biodiversity. They're probably, in terms of uh, bioptic compounds, is a source of new medicine for the world. But the use that now exists in, in this ecosystem is the, is the destruction, because lithium extraction is the destruction, means the destruction of the salaries. There's no other way until now. And, and that's why I start to talk with other people, with other countries, with other disciplines. I start to also create a network of uh, people from anthropology, uh, that also works in economy, and, and we are discussing this. And I realized that it was not crazy to think, that, you know, as a could be another ways and other possibilities, and that we are trying to work now. Can technology save us mm. from having to make some of these hard decisions? I feel like 
that that's what people are often hoping, right? That there will be more efficient ways to use water when it comes to copper or lithium mining, and it won't have as big an environmental impact, and we can keep doing it while electrifying the planet. Is is that a possibility? Yeah, technology is important. Science is very important. Chile, especially, is a country that invests very, very few in, in, in science and technology. That's why it's something that we put a lot of attention in the new constitution, we declare the, the rights of, of knowledge. And we hope, I really hope that that will produce more alternatives uh, and also more technology. But uh, there is no one solution for this. You know, it's that very, very complex. And we also, we have to face this complexity. And to face complexity, we need to include more people in the in the discussions. So July 4th, the new constitution was unveiled. When it, What is the process now, just for our uh, listeners? There's going to be a referendum later this year. Like, what happens between now and then, and how does this work? Yeah, yeah, it would be a, a referendum this for September the 4th, in two months, more or less. Now already started the campaigns about a, a two-two decision: just approve, approve or reject, rechazo, and the the the, the proposal that we did. So if it's work the work, win the rechazo, we will stay as we are, uh, without changes. Mm-hmm. But also that is com- it's a complicated situation because we will not give any any response to the social demands of people. So right. probably that also will produce a, a time on in, in political instability in the country. And if they win the approval, uh, we need to also, I mean, as a, as a country, we need to work on, uh, install what the constitution say, that of course would be a, a long-term process, probably would take years uh, to do that. But I think it's very necessary um, considering that we need to advance in, in, in wellness for the people and also to face this big challenge that we have as a, a small country that um, also is being, will be very affected by climate change. Do you think the new constitution will be approved? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's complicated. Um, there is a lot of uh, fake news around it and mm-hmm. um, Mass media are, are not really helping, but I I think people is very interesting and, and they're really looking for changes. So yeah, now we have to work a lot for, for that. How exportable do you think some of the principles mm. enshrined in this new constitution would be to other countries? And, you know, I've seen it described, um, well, in all types of language, I think The Economist called it a fiscally irresponsible left-wing wish list, which <laughs> seems quite harsh. I've seen people call it a woke constitution. I've seen other people just yeah. say it's more progressive in the sense that it pays attention to what people in Chile actually care about, which you know is gender and economic equality and environmental concerns as you've been laying out. Do you think the principles or just the idea of some of these principles could be used in other countries? Well, during the dictatorship, uh, Chile also lived, I think, one of the biggest uh, experiments in the world. You know, we we were the experiment for the neoliberalism mm. and, and those are the consequences. So, and now this is a hope for people, hope to live a good, have a good life. To to uh, also when, when we explain that to, to people is uh, I have the experience to live in Europe for example and it's, it's 
it's something, you know, normal that someone have right to go to the hospital and have good quality attention, or or to go to the to the or the kids can go to the school and they will be accepted not because of the amount of money that they will have. So there are basic things that's a human rights that we are looking for here. So and I think the analysts sometimes, especially when they look South America, they really reduce the complexity of politics to left or right. Mm-hmm. Here we are facing big cha- challenges. I think, what is what is climate change? It's left or right? It's different. It's different. So I think that's also, we need to do a, a, a more deep, uh, try to understand what's going on in, in other countries. Think a little bit outside the box of the market. Think a little bit about the, the diversity, the contribution of the diversity and also the future. And that's one of the things that Chile can contribute. Especially, for example, uh, I will mention about, this is the first time that we include um, native, you know, um, indigenous people in this conversation. And that also produced, uh, for example, we, we push uh, an area called epistemic justice. Or, or knowledge um, justice. So we have to respect what the other think and also what they know. That's why in our constitution, uh, um, regarding the right for science, we call right for knowledge. So it's the first time, and it's also it's a recommendation from UNESCO that we recognize the knowledge as a whole. So I mean science, technology, but also arts, humanities, local knowledge and indigenous knowledge. And that, I think, is a very important uh, starting point to, to deal with these complex uh, problems that we are dealing right now and, of course, we will deal in the future. Dr. Dorador, thank you so much uh, for coming on. We've been uh, needing this perspective in the conversation for a while and uh, really appreciate you laying it out and talking about the work that uh, you've done on the new constitution and the rethinking of uh, the costs of uh, mining. So appreciate you coming on Nodlots. Okay, thank you very much again. Uh, I hope uh, the ideas were understandable. Yeah, absolutely. And because it's, it's not easy other in other language. But thank you very much to cover this thing. I think it's important for the audience. Thanks, Christina. Yeah, thank you great. so much. Tracy, I thought that was a really good conversation. And I think that, you know, whether you think, oh, electrification and decarbonization should be prioritized, whether you think, you know, wherever you weight these various issues, like this tension is uh, very real. Yeah. And I don't know whether the new Chilean constitution is going to pass or not in September, but I don't think that this sort of like growing awareness and maybe backlash towards some of the environmental costs of mining is something that's going to diminish anytime soon. No, it feels like the tension is kind of inescapable at this point. I did think Christina's point about electric cars and the transition there, Mm -hmm. this is something that came up before, although I can't remember who, but this idea that even if Western countries shift to completely electrified modes of transport, it doesn't mean that suddenly the whole planet is saved because a lot of those old vehicles just go to emerging markets and continue spewing emissions. So I think 
I think what she's getting at is the need for a holistic planet-wide plan. And then when I say that, I just feel very, very sad because it feels like that is so far off. And it is really hard to sort of balance individual interests versus the whole. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is like, look, I think it's not very hard to get corporate interests in wealthy countries or or even the public necessarily behind the idea of like decarbonization. Mm. People like electric cars, even for non-environmental reasons. And so if it's just about moving from gas to electricity, that's pretty popular. I don't like any time the conversation shifts towards consuming less, fewer cars, less consumption overall, then I think like from a sort of like political standpoint, from a market standpoint, from a uh, public in rich countries standpoint, those solutions almost seem like completely off the table and unacceptable. So the idea of like, what about consuming? What about having fewer cars? What about making cars uh, more sustainable so that they don't need to be replaced all the time? Like that's when I think the conversation uh, gets uh, the rubber really meets the road and you have real tension. But I think, look, if there's going to be a major slowdown, as she said, the new constitution doesn't propose a ban on mining. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to change the way how water rights are allocated, if you're going to change the way how per- who can be involved in uh, the permitting process, it's going to slow down uh, the trajectory of new mining, I would suspect, at a minimum. And then you get like this real situation where like, okay, there's uh, at any given moment, there is less available and people don't like the politics of consuming less are really tough. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, And economics, by the way, not well equipped for a world where you're telling people that they basically just have to consume less. Like the whole thing is about growing, growing, consuming more. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, shall we leave it there? Let's leave it there. This has been another episode of the Odd Lots podcast. I'm Tracy Alloway. You can follow me on Twitter at Tracy Alloway. And I'm Joe Weisenthal. You can follow me on Twitter at The Stalwart. Follow our guest, Dr. Christina Dorador, on Twitter. She's at C. Riodor. Follow our producer, Carmen Rodriguez, at Carmen Armand. 